All right, guys, we got a hell of an episode for you tonight. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, I'm Guy. And I'm Buddy, and welcome to the Broom Boys. Oh, what an episode we have tonight. Um, where should we start? Let, let's news. News. Uh, yes, what was the first thing you heard? News and rumors. Okay, so mm-hmm. I think the biggest rumor that dropped in the past few days was the news quote unquote news that the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, uh, that's supposed to be coming to Disney plus next summer, I believe was canceled. I think that broke on Friday. Broke my heart. Yeah. Well, your heart can mend because it was literal fake news made up by, by a parody Twitter account. Uh, the series is still happening, confirmed. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, some asshole parody Twitter account started spreading a, a completely fabricated rumor. Like, there were no sources, there was no this, there was no that. Um, yeah, I, I just read an article a little over two hours ago, basically denying everything that was said about the cancellation of the show. And they're like, nope, it's still happening. So sweet. Um, everything's still good to go on that front. I'm excited about that. Dude, I got like a hard on for e- Ewan McGregor since uh, fucking train spotting. Yeah, no. And I mean, his Obi-Wan Kenobi was one of the best things about the prequel trilogy. So, truly, um, you know, uh, more of that is not going to be a bad thing. Not in any way. It will be, uh, yeah, very welcomed. Uh, what What was the next bit you heard? Uh, the next big topic is uh, Taika Waititi. Uh, or as I'm going to start calling him John Favreau Jr. Because uh, it seems like he's cut from the same cloth. Uh, Taika Waititi, of course, the director of Thor Ragnarok. Uh, played Korg in that movie and in Avengers Endgame. Uh, voiced IG-11 on The Mandalorian. And directed the last episode of season one of The Mandalorian. Has been offered a Star Wars film. So if you've seen Ragnarok or if you've seen any of his work, you know, this guy is amazing. He's super talented. Um, and I couldn't be happier that uh, that Disney has chosen to offer him a Star Wars movie because that would be uh, that would be one of the better calls they've made movie wise in the past few years. So beyond just uh, which episode, which episode you said hit the first one? The last one, last the one. last one, the season finale oh. was directed by him. And that season finale was one of the best just shows period I've ever seen. It was perfect from start to finish and he directed it. And we, we talked about that a little bit with about the, the, um, the stormtrooper troopers that caught baby Yoda. Yeah. Yeah. The, the scout troopers on the speeder bikes. And I know people got pissed that they punched baby Yoda and uh, apparently he, Taika warned one of the actors not to punch punch him too hard. And the actor just punched the the puppet as hard as he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, and beyond just um, pump or punching the, punching the puppet, um, we also talked about 
their interaction with each other, right? Oh, yeah, definitely more personality in Stormtroopers than you've (laughs) ever seen ever anywhere, period. Right. Um, And now I have a theory on that, that they were, if you look at the armor, you look at everything, and there's just almost telltale signs they're either really really lazy or maybe more mercenaries um that kind of came back because it's like they're the the helmet on one's all kind of disjointed everything's dirty um how they interact is definitely not professional or um anyway military in my I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Well, um, okay. So not I guess acting, what I would consider unquote, Imperial. Sorry. Well, not acting quote unquote military. To me, you're seeing two soldiers in the middle of an operation out in the field who've been told to just, Hey, hang out, wait for orders. And they're, they're smoking and joking. They're bannering They're That's kind of what soldiers do in situations like that they're giving each other crap they're they're being flippant um so military wise yeah that could happen especially because they're not under the direct supervision of a commanding officer to impose discipline on them um you know them being dirty could just be tantamount to they were just riding speeder bikes through a desert so yeah their white armor is definitely going to have some dirt on it i would think <laughs> True. and then And then just maybe their equipment looking a little disheveled and not looking uh, tip top is just because there is no empire anymore at this point. So maybe there's nobody producing new armor. Maybe they don't have the materials to maintain what they have. And so they're just kind of stuck with what they got. Um, Um, All all three are, all three are plausible. Um, Your theories are definitely plausible. Um, With, you know, I think it's a shame that they died because they were very entertaining (laughs) Um, but I think another aspect of that is that I think a lot of the Imperial military was still clone, um, up to a certain point. I'm sure, I'm sure they had to start letting in, um, natural born or normal born humans at some point, but I think there was a lot of clones still in the stormtrooper ranks. Um, right. But, um, uh, Moth... Uh, or uh, who was he? Uh, the Gideon, right? Gideon, yeah, with yeah. the dark saber, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you notice all his troops though? Pristine, well, dude, straight up. Yeah, I mean, but if if they're, and I know they're, they're not his, riding, but if they're his personal, if they're his personal troops, and he's a moth, and maybe he's in control of territory, maybe they're going to be a little more spit shine. Absolutely, um, and that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm I bet you those guys are more like uh, garrison troops than right, which would yeah, again yeah. the uh, probably a little bit more relaxed environment. And I mean, maybe Navarro is where they were stationed. It sounds seems like Navarro is on the outer rim, so maybe it's um, not under anybody's control. And so they were kind of stuck out there when the, the empire fell apart. Um, but then when Gideon launched his mission, you know, he kind of assumed command of everything, but hadn't really shown up yet to do much of anything. 
I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of possibilities. Right. I love them. I wish, I mean, although I got to admit, that was a great scene, everything, and too bad they died, but wow. that And then the speeder in, and oh, that's a great episode. Yeah, yeah, dude. IG-11 killed the shit out of them. And then, yeah, the, the, the speeder ride through the city with Baby Yoda grinning the entire time as he's gunning down everything in white armor was pretty great. Oh, dude. Uh, so, yeah, great episode. Um, yeah, so, fantastic television. Fantastic Star Wars. Yeah. And two two guys... Yeah, both in that project that have done so much for for already. I mean, that show. So here's to hopefully see more. Um, but uh, this fall, this fall, yeah. we will see season two. And oh, that was another bit of news I read. Apparently, the the reason why Gideon is interested in Baby Yoda will be revealed. Okay. Now. Yeah, we'll get into that later. We got a show for you guys today that we're going to get into, and that show is a character profile on probably one of the most prolific Star Wars characters in all of the known universe. Yeah, character profiles are going to be not necessarily the core, but it's definitely something we're going to be doing a lot of on here, uh, covering what's now non-canon and current canon um but we figured the place to start would be our the one and only luke skywalker right um and for anybody who has followed the movies who was um kind of feeling like the rise of skywalker didn't give us the conclusion to luke that we were hoping for and we're looking for a whole lot of redemption. I really feel like the movies are now becoming almost like part of a trifecta between novel, comic, and a cinema, whether it's TV or um, movie property, or you can even put it into a square. Probably add a couple in there if you want to get into video game franchise. And CGI. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. There's because uh, they've a always, lot. yeah, they've always, for the longest time, used all of those to develop story and to tell story. Um, you know, and especially when it has to do with things in the quote-unquote past. You know, when you're dealing with events pre-Jedi or even pre-A New Hope that have to do with Luke. I mean, they could hire a kid that looks like him. They could get Sebastian Stan because he does very nice resemblance to Mark Hamill. Um, you could do a lot of things, but I mean, frankly, you can draw a replica of Mark Hamill, whether it's in a computer or whether it's on a comic book page, um, pretty easily. So yeah, they've always they've always used all of those sources to uh, to keep fleshing out story. And Disney has definitely pumped out a whole lot of canon material. Yes. Uh, 
while what they've pumped out hasn't or doesn't equal what they canceled out yet, I'm sure at some point it will. Right. A lot of holes pre um, <clears throat> pre New Hope, um, pre Battle of Yavin have been fleshed out a little bit post too. So where where should we start? Well, um, let's let's start with what we know, and then when there's an obvious contrast with EU stuff, I'll interject that. All right. Like, you know, I mean, say I know what was happening you five years after the the uh, events of Return of the Jedi, were which is now non-canon from the EU side, but there is now information on what was going on from that, that Disney is calling canon. They're telling their own story. So we can kind of compare and contrast the two. Absolutely. Um, And so I think a big part of Luke's timeline, obviously, um, what, how old was he in A New Hope? 18? Uh, yeah, 18, barely, maybe 19, but I think barely eight. Which me and big part of the reason I, I point that out is, uh, the battle of Yavin, right? Cause big history spot in, in Star Wars canon. Um, I the would destruction say, of the, the destruction of the first death star. Um, and so I think uh, kind of like looking at his pre the before the battle is we can do a really quick run over that because um, I think his growing up to the point where he was 18, there was a lot he learned, but um, it, it was just kind of like that that age of growth right yeah i mean it seems like he had probably a typical tattooing upbringing um working on a moisture farm where yeah i think obi-wan obviously interacted with him at various points over his uh his development period um you know he obviously became a mechanic of some skill uh, working on the moisture farm, working with droids. Uh, he obviously probably learned how to work hard, but then he also, you know, had that desire to get away. Uh, he wanted to get out. And, you know, you see that in the New Hope where he wants to transmit his, his application to the Academy to become a pilot, um, or at least to get formal training as a pilot because it sounded like, he learned how to fly at some point on Tatooine because he was bullseyeing womp rats in a T-16 and a T-16 is a predecessor to the X-Wing. Um, but yeah, adventure and excitement. He, he wanted those. He wanted away from Tatooine. Right. Because um, like they said, a lot of his friends had gone already. Um, I know in a deleted scene from A New Hope that... Um, Biggs, Biggs Darklighter, who you see with him on Yavin and during the Battle of Yavin, and of course he gets killed 
during that fight because most of them do. There, you see a scene with him and Luke on uh, on Tatooine. It's deleted, but I know you can find it. It might have even been restored in one of the one of the restoration extended George Lucas adding content versions. Um, you know where they have a conversation about the Empire and you know about Big saying, "Hey, you know, hey, come and get out of here and come and join us." Um, mm. But you know, I mean, Luke had a Luke had a rebellious streak, pretty Absolutely. obviously, pretty clearly. Um, you could tell Aunt Beru loved him and cared about him, and it seemed like Uncle Owen. Um, might have been a little frustrated with him well, and a little scared of him, maybe even, or a little nervous about him. Um, looking at, having looked over the new canon stuff, there's actually a couple reasons for, I think, some of what you're saying. Um, definitely a rebellious streak, right? Like, um, early, like, when he was, what, um... Oh, I would look looking at it was 11, 11 years before the Battle of Yavin, so that puts him at what? Seven, um, six yeah. or seven, six or seven. Um, the Crime Lord Java, um, had on uh, Tatooine had, uh, in had was collecting a water tax, and it was really messing with the moisture farmers and moisture farms and things like that. So Luke decides he's going to go and I guess, um, right all the wrongs. And so, uh, Kenobi has to show up and basically save him and manages to do it, keeping his, uh, cover. But, absolutely at six or seven he's running off to go take on a take on a hut <laughs> um, and then i guess later on at some point before uh there's a instance where he ends up saving his uncle um i'm not sure about that story i just kind of uh read over kind of like some of the key points on curious to find out what happens but definitely has they put into canon a huge amount of kind of rebellious pre to explain exactly what you're talking about that kind of growth into um learning the skills that he needed to get off the planet and do what he did but definitely um his skills, I think, also come just like Anakin's did through that force sensitivity that he already has its connection to the force, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, he they in the prequels, they certainly showed, oh, you know, Anakin's a mechanic of great skill. He's a pod racer. He's a pilot. Um, you know, in Qui-Gon says basically it's because he can use the force it's a jedi trait he can see things before they happen you know um luke being his his son and being very powerful in the force himself you know obviously uh had some of the same stuff going absolutely um, um but you know maybe some of those adventures of young luke that were 
being referenced to. Maybe some of that will show up in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Maybe we'll get to see, maybe they'll put it to film with him rescuing Luke from the huts. That would be cool. Ooh. Oh, that would be really cool. That would be a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're going to have a Kenobi show set on Tatooine, I presume, unless, you know, I mean, I'm sure Obi-Wan went out into the galaxy at some points um, for various reasons. But, I mean, for the most part, it seems like he he planted himself on Tatooine and stayed there. And and we know he lives in proximity of Luke, and we know he put himself there to protect him. So I can't see how you do a Kenobi show without young Luke. Like, I just, I can't, I can't see how it would be done. Absolutely. Do you know the time frame, the show that they're supposed to be doing the show on? Uh, I mean, obviously it's going to be sometime in, in the period between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Um, I think it'll probably, probably be... When Luke is like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there, um, and I'm only basing that off of what we know from like Star Wars Rebels. They did an episode on Tatooine where the young kid—I think his name was Ezra—being um, tracked by Darth Maul, and he finds Obi Wan in the desert, and Obi Wan kills Maul, apparently kills Maul, um, and that's it some point almost immediately before the battle of Yavin. Um, so considering they've covered that in a cartoon that they're considering canon, I think they'll, they'll jump back years, um, you know, and probably cover that maybe 10 or so years after revenge of the Sith somewhere in that ballpark. I think that would be fun. Lots of fun. Um, I mean, but... I don't, I don't think they're going to make him super old because we have that, you know, we have the Alec Guinness Obi Wan from the original trilogy to kind of reference. So, I mean, I don't think they're going to bring him close to that age just because it would make for uh, some pretty maybe unfair comparisons. Plus, that would limit the amount of of seasons and time they would have to do shows if they. The closer they put it to New Hope the less space they give themselves for a long show. So I think they'll, I think they'll go, I think they'll push it back. Cool. All right. So, and, but anyway, back to what we were talking about before I, I apologize for sending us off on that tangent. Um, well, but, but that's, uh-huh. that's the thing, you know, and that's, that's kind of the problem with talking. Okay. We say we want to focus just on Luke Skywalker. But we're talking about a character that, you know, is literally at the center of some of the most important events in his galaxy's history. And that is going to cast a wide net that's going to loop in a lot of people. And Luke's story isn't complete without Obi-Wan, without Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, without Han and Leia and Chewie and the droids. I mean, his, his story is wrapped up in all of those people. So it's right. hard to tell. It's hard to talk about him without being able to branch off, or without I, being forced to branch off. I guess. I mean, I feel like there's going to be points where we have to branch off because there's, you know, like in the expanded universe, there's events that happen to him, like say meeting Mara Jade, that literally affect the rest of his life. So I mean, how do you talk about him without talking about her? So, 
right? And the same goes for Obi-Wan. How can you talk about Luke without talking about Obi-Wan? Because Obi-Wan's teachings are at the, I mean, the the start and the core of his Jedi training, which then goes and moves to Yoda. Uh, and, I mean, I think it continues with Obi-Wan, um, at least to a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, that's something they touched in the EU, where it was like five years after the Battle of Yavin, Obi-Wan appeared to Luke and said, this is the last time. Um, you know, he goes, I've appeared to help you, but um, the connection or my ability to, to keep coming over here is diminished, and so I don't think I'm going to be able to do it again, so I wanted to appear to you one more time and say goodbye and tell you Trust yourself, trust the forest, blah, blah, etc. But, you know, we will do an Obi-Wan show at some point, for sure, because he's the man. <laughs> so true. Um, and looking at um, New Canon, holy cow. Um, I'm... It, <clears throat> the, uh, the period between A New Hope, as I sputter this out... Um, so the canon that's basically written goes pre new hope, a new hope. And then in between a new hope and, uh, um, empire strikes back. Holy cow. He went through a lot in the new canon. Uh, And in the old canon too. Um, they, they had plenty of books written about that time period as well. Um, one of which involved, actually, it was kind of a really cool story. Um, I would hope that they would try to bring it back at some point, but Luke goes searching for an artifact called the Kyber Crystal, the Kyber Crystal, um, which is interesting because Kyber Crystals centered pretty heavily into Rogue One. Um, with, you know, the Empire stripping the planet Jetta for all the kyber crystals they could find to power the Death Star weapon. So, but this book, he goes after the kyber crystal that's supposed to amplify your connection to the Force. Um, him and Leah track it to a temple. Darth Vader's coming after them. He gets into a lightsaber duel with Vader. And Obi-Wan pr- basically possesses Luke. Um and helps him defeat Vader. He chops Vader's arm off. But then it's said that the the act of the Force possession um, really took a toll on Obi-Wan. Uh, but they ended up getting possession of the crystal, and, you know, it didn't turn out to be quite what they thought it was going to be, and Luke experimented by putting it in his lightsaber for a little while, but then he turned it into a teaching tool later on. So, I mean, yeah, that was the that was my favorite of those stories. But yeah, they've there's for um, being such a short time, it's like what, three years between a new hope and empire. They, they definitely cram a lot of stuff. In. It, it does look like they actually semi cover that. Oh, good, good, good. That's, that's amazing. I'm, I, I subscribed to Marvel unlimited so I could start reading all that stuff, but I've been focusing on the, the Darth Vader series because it's freaking awesome. Um, so I haven't touched that stuff yet. Okay, yeah. It looks like 
they they do kind of cover that. I'm not going to I I don't know exactly how. I'd love to look into the story a little bit more. Um it looks like on Sci Moon 1 um or C Y M O O N 1. So I'm going to assume Sci Moon 1. But um is when it happened. So uh and I think it looks like in in it's one of the Luke comics, not one of the Vader ones. Right. Um, Cause they did. So I think the way they have it broken out is they did a comic under the name of star Wars, which I think had Luke, Leia, hand, Chewie, the droids fighting the empire and various things. And then they did a, a Leia comic. They did a Luke comic and they did a Vader comic. I think that's how they broke it out. Okay. Yeah, this definitely is about Luke. It's it it is uh post New Hope, pre Empire and um I don't know. It, there's something called it's like pre before the Simon stuff. It looks like it, there was something called the Desert Jewel. Anyway, and then he goes return to Tatooine afterwards. Um, but yeah, huge amount of, of good Luke information. Um, and lots of, I think, uh, training, um, it looks like, uh, learning to use the force and everything like that battle. Um, even, wow. There is just so much. It's cool. Yeah, I mean, they. I mean, what you don't see in between a New Hope and Empire Strikes Back is the continuing war. I mean, it's not like it's not like they won the Battle of Yavin and then just hid for three years. They kept fighting the Empire, and the Empire kept coming after them. Um, I mean, you hear them in Empire. You know, Han Solo references being seen or almost captured by bounty hunters on Ord Mantell. So, I mean, obviously there was an adventure that took place on Ord Mantell at the very least. Um, so, I mean, yeah, they're, they, they've always hinted at stuff for sure, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I like, I mean, it's a war. It's a war. I mean, it's mm -hmm. not like, they, yeah, there's no way they would stop, especially after winning, you know, two huge victories back to back, you know, I mean, they, even though they took losses at Scarif, you know, they got the Death Star plans. They did destroy several Star Destroyers and took out an Imperial base and, you know, and then the, the plans got to Leia and Leia got the plans to R2 and R2 got the plans to, to Luke and Obi-Wan and then they took out the Death Star. Um, you know, I mean, it's not like the Empire was just going to be like, oh, okay, whatever, you know, they're, especially because they knew the base was on Yavin now at this point. So, you know, stuff was going to happen and I'm glad they're, I'm glad they're documenting, glad they're creating stories to fill the space. Um, so now as far as it goes, um, cause I looking at, I mean, filling the space and all those kind of things. Um, one of the fun parts about holes in the story or places like that to make references. Um, what kind of like, I mean, how did it go before? Like, what kind of did he do in the EU? 
Uh, it was pretty similar to how the comic books are kind of making it. It's just them fighting the war. Okay. Um, and him training a little bit. I mean, and obviously you see some of that in Empire Strikes Back when he's in the, the ice cave hung upside down by the creature. I mean, all of a sudden he's able to force pull his lightsaber um, where, you know, as in A New Hope, he was just barely introduced to the force a few days prior. Um, it was more force sensitivity that allowed him to make that shot than it was actually the force itself. Uh, would I, I think it was, was force. I would say it was latent force use guided by Obi. Mm. Um, you know, maybe instinctual force use, but Obi Wan was like, "Turn off the computer, trust your instincts. You know, listen to me, trust in me, believe in the force, Luke." You know, he's like, "Luke, trust me. You can do this, but you can only do it with the force." Um. So I think it was the force and I think it was Luke tapping in, you know, like we saw him training with that little, that little droid, you know, and he was getting zapped and getting zapped. And then, you know, Obi-Wan kind of talked him through to reaching out with his perceptions. And he's like, you know, I could almost see the remote and you've taken your first steps into a larger world. So, right. You know, Obi-Wan kind of showed him how to open the door and poke his head out. And, you know, maybe some of it was just pure trial by him, you know, finding maybe he went to Obi-Wan's hut and found texts. Um, you it know, does maybe... look like it says he found Obi-Wan's journals um, okay. at one point. Um, but I think another interesting part to note is like um, his confrontations that he has with Vader in the movies aren't his first confrontations with Vader. I mean, like the comic book, it looks like he at least faces off against him once before. Yeah, which would line up with the EU. He definitely had showdowns with Vader um, prior to, to, to Bespin, um, or at least a showdown, where, like I said, in the EU, he was aided by Obi-Wan's spirit to defeat him. Um and the whole he has to learn how to he even uses lightsaber yeah yeah he definitely has to learn how to use that thing i mean and you even see it to an extent in in the uh in empire strikes back when he gets to bespin you know he's packing his blaster around in his hand not his lightsaber up until he encounters darth vader mm -hmm. it's only when he runs into vader that he pulls out his lightsaber but then in Return of the Jedi, you definitely see a the Luke growth. who is very competent and skilled with his lightsaber. Um, which I wonder if some of that has to do with the fact that he had to build his own lightsaber and, you know, possibly has a connection to it. Uh, I mean, it's hard, right. it's hard to say. Um, and looking at it, Actually, even, I mean, he, like, he has a showdown with Boba where he almost dies. Wow. Well, I mean, we all know Boba Fett's a bad motherfucker. He was, right? Is. Freaking, is. Is, is he still alive? I, I don't know if they've canically confirmed him as alive yet, but they've definitely hinted at it that he survived post-Return of the Jedi. Uh, and I...
you, he definitely survived and lived for a good long time because he led the Mandalorian Death Watch against the Yuuzhan Vong in the EU. And actually, he ran into Han Solo and he saved, I think he actually saved Han Solo. Um, and was something along the lines of, I know we have a history, but this threat is bigger than our animosity for each other or whatever. Now, can um, I ask some? Sure, go for it. Um, because in The Mandalorian, you're talking about the same battle that starts out like when he's a boy, right? No, 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 no. Okay. And the battle you see in the Mandalorian takes place during the Clone Wars because that's the Separatist army attacking some planet. The unit that shows up and saves the man, the the character that we call the Mandalorian, mm -hmm. um, is the the Mandalorian Deathlock. But they they take him in. Um, Boba would have been a kid at that point. Um, you know, like, I don't, I can't remember exactly how old they, they had him in Attack of the Clones, but like eight or nine, maybe seven, eight, nine years old. And so, Django. Dead. Dead. Deca decapitated by Mace Windu by okay, that point. That's right. Wow. I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember that now. Oh. So much to so much to remember. Um, yeah, you do an I awesome mean, job with that. Thank you. Yeah, there is so much to remember, which is, you know, part of the the cool thing that they. It's the one thing I like about the EU being reset is that hey, now we're going to start telling the story. It's going to be a little more. Uh, we're going to have a little more continuity to it. But at the same time, just because they say the EU is no longer canon doesn't mean to forget about it. It's just, and so there's the old information. And if you know the old information, you like to see how it gels with the new information. And it's, Like it's, the gun in The Mandalorian that you were talking about. The, yeah, yeah. The E-Web, the e which is the name that I think the gun was given in like a Star Wars source book back in the 80s or 90s. And what they called it in novels and, and, and God knows all that other stuff. You know, they could have named that blaster, that weapon, anything in The Mandalorian, but they called it what it's been called for a long time. And I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. And the troop transport and all the other stuff. Yeah, nice. yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, full credit to, to Favreau for that because he's behind all of it. Um, you know, but that's taking canon or old canon and making it current canon you know which i you know i fully support them doing and it's something i fully think that they should try to do as much as possible you know take take the old canon as inspiration tweak it to fit it where you needed to need to fit it but you know i mean honoring that source material and not just completely getting rid of it, I think is important. And it sounds like in some aspects they're, they're succeeding at it. And then in others, they're just completely, you know, getting rid of it. And I, think and obviously we see a lot of that with the, the new trilogy of movies where they're like, okay, we know you have this old expanded universe story in your mind, but none of that shit happened. 
right? Like zero, it, zero percent. It seems like. But I would like to say that I mean, look, like, um, I I keep finding ways that when we go over the EU and we look at this new canon too, that they do overlap. Like, I know that. Ben is no longer Luke's son, right? Yeah, there, there's definitely some parallels for sure. But yeah, um, there are adventures yeah. together that they take uh, after Ben becomes ten. You're when you're okay. When you're saying Ben, are you meaning Ben Skywalker? Or ben, ben Solo. Solo. Sorry. I okay. Right. I apologize. Yeah, because because we were just in the EU, and in the EU, Ben is Ben Skywalker, the son of Mara Jade and Luke Skywalker. And in the movies, Ben Solo, also known as Kylo Ren. Um, you know there there's a parallel between Ben Solo and Jason Solo in the books. Mm-hmm. Where they they both are corrupted, they both fall to the dark side, um, and there's also a parallel between Ben Solo and Ben Skywalker. Okay, what what's what's the parallel? Tell me. Um, and this actually, I mean, if you shift the timeline a little bit, Ben uh, Skywalker and Luke go after his exile on this huge, um, mission to prove Luke's, uh, ultimate innocence and the fact that there's something more going on. Um, right. And, yep. Yep. And that's, that point in time is a huge, like transitional time for both Luke and Ben. And they form this really, really tight bond. Meanwhile, in the new canon, you have Ben, and they put it back, rather than having after Luke's exile, they have it pre-exile. And they still go looking for these artifacts and everything um, to advance, ultimately, to rebuild the Jedi Order. Um, And so they have this connection, this bond, still between Luke and Ben. It's just not father son per se blood like but they do become and form this bond but during the whole time ben is still being pulled and slipped and falling to the dark side and then ultimately ben's luke's weakness in a moment is the catalyst to ben's complete fall um and yeah so, or, or at least his rejection yeah of, of luke um you know but i'm i'm not sure i think in some aspects of the the little bit of knowledge i have of the comics covering uh ben solo's fall um you know i think i think he was already gone by the time that event that we saw in the last jedi happened um agreed yeah i think i think he was already past the point of rescue i think is i think he had fallen already or i mean was like you know sitting there hanging off the cliff by his fingertips and yeah and that moment of weakness uh where luke sees all the death and destruction that kylo's gonna or that ben's gonna cause say he think he, he luke has a moment of weakness with the dark side and he flirts with 
ending Ben's life. And it's a moment. It's a split second. But it's there. And that's when he raises the lightsaber. And that's when Ben wakes up. And that's when shit goes bad. I mean, building comes down on top of Luke. And anybody who doesn't go with Kylo gets killed. And from there, and then, yeah, then we know the movies from there. Or we will get into them at some point. Um, but that that moment of Kylo's fall, I think what they it, what I I kind of see is they take all these the kids the the off the generations beyond, and they kind of all just mush them into Ben, because even his redemption and his coming back and saving the day and everything like that, you could almost say parallels, um, isn't it as um, Jason's sister. Uh, yeah, yeah. In the books, um, you know, Jason falls to the dark side, becomes a, a Sith Lord, and ultimately, it's um, Han and Leia's daughter, who's Jason's twin sister, Janna, is ultimately the one to kill. Him. Uh, ultimately, the one to defeat him. She is what's known as the Sword of the Jedi. So she's like the main badass warrior of the Jedi at that point. Or maybe uh, even parallels in some way to Rey then. Uh, yeah, I actually, I think, I think there's definitely some comparisons to be made between Rey and Janna. Okay. Um, for sure. I mean, you could probably draw a line comparing the two. Uh, you know, I mean... The, the big difference being Janna was being trained as a Jedi from the time that she was a toddler, whereas Rey didn't get any formal training until uh, much later in her life. And although she latently obviously used the Force to survive on Jakku and to be a scavenger, um, you know, she wouldn't have been able to do the things she was doing if she didn't have some access to the Force, whether she knew she was using it or not. Um, but yeah, I think you could definitely draw comparisons between those two. Um, okay. But right? I mean, That's the fun yeah, part. it's, it's, I don't know if fun's the word for <laughs> it, but I mean, if that's their way of showing of, you know, tipping the cap towards the EU, great. Um, I've never heard anybody who's in a place to confirm, deny, or say that, you know, actually give us that information. Um, mm. You know, that might just be me as a fan of the EU um, reaching a little bit because I'm a huge fan of the EU, as a lot of people are. Probably, I would say that probably a decent number of star wars fans who have problems with the new trilogy such as myself um are big eu fans and probably like the eu more than they do the new stuff right and i'm i'm i like the story of each i'm a little bit i'm still just put out because i want to see luke get more of a uh can a redemption in the canon he was such a badass in the eu and now he's like he's not half 
I mean, not to say that projecting yourself with the force across the galaxy or whatever, um, and not even just projecting yourself, but tangibly projecting yourself. I mean, he gave the the fucking medallion to Le- uh, to Leia, um, and she held on to that physically. Um, and then he went out and pew, pew, pew. Ha ha, I'm not here. Eh. Um, is that a good synopsis? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's a perfect synopsis. And I mean, yes, it was badass. But it's it not what I wanted. Why couldn't it would have? No, it, it would have been more badass if they didn't kill him and they had him. Oh. That's, that's, you know. I mean, he, so like you put it into that context, the way it should have gone down in my mind is, yeah, he projects himself there to save the day, but then is strong enough in the force to where it doesn't kill him. And then he's able to be a physical presence and a physical teacher to Ray. And then you see the adventures of Ray and Luke taking on the first order. I mean, that's how in my mind it should have gone down and, that I think if it had gone down that way, the last Jedi would have had a much different reception. I agree. I would, that was, that would be a movie I would love to see without a doubt. I think it's a movie. A lot of people would love to see because I mean, I think other in the last Jedi, other than the absolute waste of time plot wise with, you know, Finn and Rose going off to the casino planet and meeting, Benicio del Toro and you know and the slow speed pursuit of the Empire or the First Order going after the rebel ship I mean I think a lot of people had huge problems with that and then people had problems with how they off Luke um, right and then even even down to the, the references that I mean I'm not gonna say that it was bad but I think that because they didn't stick with the Jedi Sith and all what's been built and he wanted the whole reference, uh, uh, Rain Johnson one, right. Was that right? One reference, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Johnson. Johnson, excuse Ryan. me. Um, Ryan Johnson wanted to reference the whole, the force is bigger than just Jedi and Sith. Um, and that's the broom boy. Um, we're left with this whole, they did, everybody was complaining about the pullback, but it wasn't that story that was being told in my mind. And the story that was being told was truthfully Luke's or the Skywalker line, that saga being wrapped up or at least kind of tied up. Um, even if they decided that Luke had to die and we didn't get to see the adventures of Luke and Ray, or if the movie was the only where the only place we saw it really, um, uh, or in between, I suppose. How many years ha- did, did how much time happened between the last two movies? Do you know? Um, uh, between the Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. no time. I mean. I heard that they were going to do a five-year time jump, but I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think that they did a five-year time jump. I think they did. I think they did a year or two top. Okay. Um, and so I mean, that would be awesome. I'd love to see that. But even if we didn't see that, I I would like to see 
more of a yeah Luke redemption line or story that had happened that had like even if Rise of Skywalker was more about um you know uh, what was the movie if they they kind of played with it Waking Ned Divine do you remember that I never saw it um it was not about waking a dude up it was about the Irish wake which is uh, like the funeral. funeral. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if they had even done a play on something like that with rise of Skywalker, that more meant more of Luke and his progression from just being like um, a grandmaster to this, like almost force, like super force ghost or whatever you want to say. Like he became um, her ultimate mentor beyond just showing up a couple times, but like he became like Obi Wan was, and there with Ray, like with her, you know, even that would have been better. Well, I mean, you so you you look at the title for the last movie, The Rise of Skywalker. I mean, it literally boils down. That title is there, and it only covers the literal last two minutes of the movie where Ray declares himself to be Ray Skywalker. I mean, that's what, that's literally what the title was pointing to the whole time. Whereas they could have made it Which to sucks. where the rise of Skywalker is, well, okay, so Luke voluntarily gave up his life in The Last Jedi, became one with the Force. Well, what if, what if he has the power to physically come back? What if his physical body, which joined with the force, we saw it fade away. What if his physical body can unjoin with the force and come back? Can manifest and itself what if, kind of thing? And what if the rise is him rising up to be the hero to everybody, including Ray? You know, where what if that was the rise instead of the rise? Oh, I'm Ray. Ray what? Ray Skywalker. Matt, oh, you bring up an interesting point because what was we were talking about the Darth Vader comic and what was that Darth the Darth Lord that he builds the temple on um I never can remember the damn name of the planet. Mustafar. It's yeah. on it's on Mustafar. And hit Maimon, Mammon, something along those Mimin. lines. Yeah, I'm I'm literally um, reading those comics right now, and they just like the part the part you're describing is literally exactly what's happening right now. But I haven't looked at them in a few days, so. Um. Anyway, but th they talk about Vader opening a portal into the dark side of the Force, and he well, goes so, into the portal, right? Well, so basically. Um, this Darth Maimon guy, actually, hang on a second. We don't even need to, walk. let me look real quick and get his name, but essentially, so he is possessing this helmet that Vader, uh, can use to, um, I don't want to say he maybe force ghosts himself out of the helmet and can physically, 
be present. Um, but so this guy was a Sith Lord, but he was an artist before he became a Sith Lord. Um, do we remember his name yet? I'm, I'm almost there. Okay. Sorry. Moment. Darth moment. Moment. Okay. Okay. M O M O M I N Darth moment or moment maybe. Um, so, but he was an artist and a sculptor. And so Mustafar has like, he calls it a doorway to the dark side. And the fortress that's built on Mustafar is the key to unlocking this door. And so um, Momin teaches Vader to teach his Imperial servants that the Empire sent with him to build his fortress. Because, you know, Vader basically in a previous comic has been doing, you know, doing the Empire's bidding. He's been going after Jedi um, with the Inquisitors. He's been dealing with... um, kind of an uprising on the the home world of the Mon Calamari. Um, He's been doing all sorts of stuff, and he says, I want a planet. And um, he chooses Mustafar. Where he got cut up. Where he got sliced and diced by Obi-Wan. You know, Obi-Wan had the high ground. What are you going to do, bro? (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So he he builds this, this... fortress which acts as the key which lets him access this doorway and it takes him on a dark side journey or it takes him on a journey i'm not even going to say it's a dark side journey but it takes him on a journney where he you see his conception um mystical conception by palpatine you see you know him growing up you see him um you know doing all of the stuff that he did and then eventually, at the end of it, he encounters the spirit of Padme, and the spirit of Padme, he wants to bring her back, but he can't. She rejects him, um, and he's just kind of stuck with her. Um, Interesting part of the end of that. Do you know how he gets kicked out of the Force, or the dark side, or whatever it is? Do you know how he gets get kicked out? Do you want to know? Uh, no. I haven't read that comic yet. I'm like two comics before that. <laughs> okay, I won't give it away. It's cool. No, give it, give it away. Give it away. Luke. Give it away. Luke, Luke comes to him in a vision and kicks his ass out, knocks him out of the force. Boom. Interesting. Interesting. Kind of like what Luke sees on um, uh, when he's trading with Yoda in the cave. Oh, on Dagobah. Okay. On Dagobah, yeah. Um, sees himself in the Vader mask thing. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vader sees Luke at the very end, and that's the last thing he sees. And Luke just basically, I guess, four, boom, boots him out. Oh, cool. Um, so it will be interesting to find out how that turn. I mean, how it reads. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll definitely be able to discuss that more in detail on the next episode. Um, but yeah, so Luke does show up a lot, even down to and that's pre-birth. Or post birth, that's when he's Luke's a baby. Baby, yes, baby. Luke. Yes, Luke is a toddler probably at this point. Mm-hmm. And that's oh, and that's part of what they say is that is also there's a blue flash, and then Luke, a, a grown up version of Luke, shows up and kicks him out of the force. But I that's when Vader becomes aware of Luke, right? Okay, um, at least in the new canon. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, in the old canon, I mean, well, even in A New Hope, he doesn't seem aware of Luke. So that seems contradictory to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Let me let me look and check in a couple because that was one of the one of the articles I was reading behind and checking through. But let me check the couple of the source information guides and I'll find out what I got here in a second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no problem. Um. So anyway, you know, we 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 got love it or like it or neutral towards it we got the version of luke in the movies that we got uh the comic books the current ones in the uh i believe the series is called the the fall of kylo ren or the rise of kylo ren or something along those lines we see a badass luke to an extent um apparently he kicks the ass of every night of ren pretty much simultaneously um which I think actually aids in Ben's fall and in Ben Solo's fall. We have, we have to be sure to say last names, I think, because, you know, there's a Ben Skywalker or there was a Ben Skywalker and now there's a Ben Solo. So to to help ease confusion, we'll always use last names. Um, Absolutely. Good call. Because Ben Solo felt like he was always going to be in Luke's shadow because of how awesome you know luke apparently is at this point um you know none of his none of his nephews or even his son in the expanded universe i think felt that way um they all had a fairly large amount of reverence and love and respect for luke because of what he had done um you know, in his role in defeating the Empire and redeeming Vader and restoring the Jedi, because he did, in the EU, completely restore the Jedi. I mean, not to the numbers, not to the pre-Clone War numbers, which were like 10,000 Jedi were serving the Republic pre-Clone Wars. Um, But, I mean, he had triple digits, somewhere like 150, 200 fully trained Jedi with more on the way. Um, by the time the the EU novels started wrapping up, although they got they took fairly high casualties during the Yuuzhan Vong invasion because the Vong were resistant to the Force, they couldn't be sensed um, because they were cut off from the Force. Um, you know, it's basically story writing to neutralize. We're like, oh well, if there's a hundred Jedi, you know, there ain't, isn't any army on in the galaxy that's going to resist a hundred. 50 200 jedi so they're like well okay we'll just make them immune to the force and then the jedi are somewhat powerless and someone's like all right cool i mean whatever you got to do but you know we're we're looking at a luke in the expanded universe who you know finished training himself you know was off and on training leia was going around finding potential jedi candidates uh defeated the empire or the emperor permanently helped get the empire that was left over after the battle of endor to basically fully not surrender they still existed they had their own little corner of the galaxy but they basically allied with the republic um you know he defeated sith spirits i he did all sorts of badass stuff 
I mean, there's there's a scene in a book. Um, I can't remember which book exactly, but it's it's dealing with Yu Zon Vong where Anakin Solo, uh, Leia and Han's youngest child, is on some adventure and gets captured, and Luke shows up and wields not only his lightsaber but Anakin's lightsaber simultaneously. So we're dual wielding lightsaber, Luke Skywalker just cleaving a path through dozens of warriors to rescue his nephew. I mean, oh, that's badass crap. Luke Skywalker. Yeah. That's badass <laughs> Luke Skywalker. And, you know, that unfortunately is something we've only, can only envision with our mind because it's never going to be put to film. Maybe digitally, one day they'll do something along those lines. Maybe they'll animate it. It's hard to say. Um, um, I did find that part, by the way. All right. Well, here's where, here's where you pick back up. Um, Vader does it, He's, uh, basically, and I'm looking at the comics section. Um, uh, Padme basically flings herself into oblivion and gets destroyed by a bolt of lightning after telling Vader that Anakin's dead. And then just after that, the next pains blue light, you see this kind of like, sh like shadow figure. And then they come a little bit further forward and it's this like uh, jumpsuit combat fatigue kind of thing, like uh, almost like an you know uh, pilot of an X-wing kind of jumpsuit. Oh, so the so the orange mm -hmm. the orange jumps. Yeah, and then okay. the next thing you see is like the pain is Vader's persona, the black and dark red and stuff like that kind of mush that he is, and then the next pain is zoom lightsaber blue lightsaber pops up and then boom big old explosion of blue vader's completely wiped out of the force yeah yeah i i actually i like there's a lot of panels like that during those darth vader comics showing him out of his armor where he's basically all you can see is glowing eyes and then he's just red and black almost like constantly on fire yeah sort of an image it's really cool it's that. really cool i I like that image i think it's i think it's freaking awesome um right. those it's darth crazy. vader those darth vader comics i cannot wait to cover them because they are gold they're absolute gold they're wonderfully done i mean the the stuff they cover is just epic oh my um, gosh that's so fucking cool dude what's that what do you got okay well and i don't know let me check because i can't tell because looking at this comic pain um is it because he lost i mean he's it looks like either his arms and his legs are don't exist anymore and they're just completely white or that's still the the light side hanging on to bits of him but is that more because he just, I mean, he doesn't have arms and legs? Uh, I mean, possibly. I would have to, I would have to take a look at the panel you're oh. looking at to, uh. It's where he's killed all the Jedi. It's where he's killed all the Jedi. It's like, uh, his, uh, visions past where he goes through and, um. Are you, it, are you looking, are you looking at book 25? Yeah, the, I think Darth so. Vader series. Okay, hang on one second. I can find that panel in just a second. See, and now here we are. We are talking about Vader, and we're talking about Vader. We're when 
we're going to have a Vader episode, obviously. Um, it's interesting uh, because they do. It's like it. Luke is in this, though. Yeah, you're very you're very correct. Luke is is in this comic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that the white represents it. Yeah, the white, I think, definitely represents just his lack of limbs because you see in another panel where he's got almost a whole arm on one side and then he's just got a nub on the the other side. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that definitely represents his his limb loss. Because I was going to say, he didn't lose his whole right arm, right? Is it right? uh, Well, so if if you look at the, like second panel in the comic and i'm looking at it on my phone you Mm -hmm. see his robot form you know you see his armor laying behind him um and that armor is missing a hand yeah he just had that cut off in his battle with moment right okay so and it was his robot it was a robotic arm yeah you can see the wires in the panel jutting out um, yeah, I think I think the white is just a representation of his physical his physical injuries. I I think that's because he's you know in a in a force spirit, you know. Yeah, I think that's just oh. representation. Well, no, because if you look at like uh, the next. I don't want to say the next panels, but there's a panels. There's a set of panels uh, specifically that uh, Anakin's past warps his soul, um, and it's you start with him as a boy, and then you see him as a Padawan, or not a Padawan, but an initiate, and then you see him as a Padawan, and then um, you see him finally in the last, as it looks like just before his fall um, balcony scene with Padme. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I see. And n- dark, dark, dark. All of a sudden his arms white. Okay. Do you see? Scrolling through. Scroll. I'm scrolling through. It's. Oh, um, well, okay, so okay, so his arm is white because remember Dooku chops his arm off in Attack of the Clones. Oh yeah, there we go. Okay, there so we that go. answers the question. It's because that is a loss of his ultimate soul. It's it's there, but not cool. Cool that they represent that in the in the Force um, depiction. I, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's it's badass. The comics excite me. I, yeah, look, these fan. and these Vader comics especially are incredibly well done. Um, um so, I've been super mm-hmm. super pleased with everything I've seen. So let's see, where were we? We were we were talking about Luke. Uh, we were talking about kind of Ben, and then we got off into the whole. Uh, uh, Anakin and Vader and all that fun stuff. Um, so the other thing, I mean, Luke, they do still in his sixties after being a Grandmaster Jedi, they they do exile him. Um, unfortunately, one leads to his redemption in the EU. New canon leads to his 
death. Yeah. Yeah, because in the EU, he, um, and he, he survived up until the last book, which, I mean, I don't, I think that came out shortly after the Disney purchase or maybe shortly before. Um, but it was somewhere in the time frame of the Disney purchase. And then they just basically said it wasn't long after they bought it, but there was a period of time where nobody knew what was really going to happen. How long was that? It was a, was it like six months or something? It wasn't long. Was it it, it wasn't was wrong. Short, short time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So hold on. I gotta, mm-hmm. I gotta, I gotta yank us back to the comic a little bit. Okay. Yeah. No, cool. Um, just because it's kind of interesting how they, they did some good storytelling here. So, you know, as the, as the spirit of Vader keeps moving through his life, we get yeah. to a scene with a Jedi temple and a bunch of dead Jedi, and you know, like Mace Windu and, you know, all sorts of other people. Yoda is there. Yaddle's there. Um, you see him confronting them and he, his, his four spirit fights, these Jedi four spirits and he's kicking their ass. Um, but then you get to, and it's nothing but art and action panels for a while then. But then you get to words, and it's like one or two words per panel. So it says, let, and then you go a few panels, and then you get a the, and then you get a pass, and then you get a die. So let the pass die. And then the final panel is kill it if you have to. Now, where have we heard that before? Oh. The Last Jedi. Yeah. Yeah, so we do we get some some movie nods and then we get nice. a panel with with Palpatine and Obi-Wan where it says I am your father and then Palpatine and Obi-Wan's spirits battle and Palpatine defeats Obi-Wan because you know obviously the the symbolism there being that Anakin could have had the choice between Obi-Wan and the Jedi and Palpatine and he chose Palpatine. Mm-hmm. But then you see Vader you see his spirit killing Palpatine and then that's when he encounters Padme. And then you actually see Anakin as we knew him in the movies as Hayden Christensen pre-armor. They have a little discussion referencing, you know, where they, they, they reference some lines. She's like, are you an angel? They're the most beautiful creatures in the universe. And then he's begging her to go. And then she's like, no, Anakin Skywalker dead. And blah, blah, etc. Uh, oh, and here you go. You're and right then, yeah, there. I'm right there. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely Boom. speed flipping through this. And then, yeah, column of white light, silhouette figure, lightsaber, push. Yeah, and then yeah, Vader. Well, that's that... kind of crazy. He reattaches his arm just like mechanically, and then he destroys the gateway. But, and then, yeah, hollow communication with the Emperor. It does leave the possibility that Luke could come out of the Force. I'm sorry, you didn't see how he went into it. So yeah. I'm not going to say that if you join in that way with the Force that you can't manifest yourself later. Obviously, you can in the ghost form. But if Luke's strong enough to, you know project himself like he did um, i i 
I don't think I don't get the impression that that Luke was responsible for. Uh, I don't think that was an action by Luke. I think that was the force kind of taking him on a journey okay. and that, and where his journey ends was, is, you know, with his son, you know, ultimately that's where, where Vader's story comes to an end is when, you know, he has that final confrontation with Luke and, you know, Luke, guides him to redemption i don't i don't know if we can say that luke actually redeemed vader i would like to think that vader made a choice to redeem himself mm-hmm. um you know it wasn't like it wasn't like any i don't want to say that any action luke took but you know you get what i'm saying it's like i do saying that luke redeemed vader is like he waved his hand and then all of a sudden vader free of the dark side and his anakin or you know, even I, that Luke influenced ultimately Vader's ultimate uh, redemption because it was much more Vader had the chance and the choice to to dispatch Luke. In fact, multiple times he did. And he consistently and regularly chose not to. Oh, yeah, no, totally. He could have killed him on Bespin very easily. Instead, he wanted and, to have a father-son moment with him. Yeah, I mean, and and Palpatine wanted him to kill him. Said he must be destroyed, and Vader was like, but I, if I turn him, he could be a powerful ally. And Palpatine was like, yeah, there you go. I mean, but yeah, he had he had many chances to kill Luke and didn't take him. Um, so yeah. Like, and Luke never was like, Dad, come back, come back, don't do it. Yeah, no, I mean, Luke, the extent of Luke's conversations with Vader were ultimately like, hey, I don't think you're fully evil. I know that there's some of my father left in you. He's not gone completely. You have a choice. Come back, you know, let you reject. You have a choice. Yeah, I mean, I think he guided him to the right choice. And then I think what ultimately kicked kicked vader back was watching the empire fry his kid or watching the emperor fry his kid and then he mm-hmm. said well i can sit here and let my kid die or i can stop it he chose to stop it and the choice to stop it was a sacrifice of his life and what you know caused him to be redeemed mm-hmm. um but anyway we're going to cover vader later I <laughs> right but again such an important part for a uh, moment for luke Oh yeah, no, it's totally wrapped up in Luke, and Luke's Be- totally wrapped up in him. I mean, it's. I mean, because that's a moment that you learn. I mean, Luke had to have taken that to say, "Oh shit, um, redemption and coming back to the light, it or and the light side of the force and rejecting the dark side, even for a person as dark and as far as gone as Vader was." he still found redemption. He still found his way back. So no matter how far a person can potentially fall, there always seems to be that that's the light side of of the truth of it all. And that I think that Luke had to have had to have taken into account is that there's always a way back. No matter, no matter how far gone a person is. Yeah. And I mean, 
if I, jumping all the way back, I hate to say or use these words, but I don't know any other way to, um, I don't know any other way to voice it. But I mean, if you want to break stuff down and you look at what caused Anakin to fall to the dark side, it was Padme. And mm-hmm. by extension of Padme, you know, Padme was the Padme was the wedge that, that Sidious used to drive, you know, it he drove that wedge in between him and the Jedi. But would he you have know. found another wedge if Padme hadn't been there? Because he had I'm been manipulating sure. Anakin since before birth. I mean Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure he would have, but that's just the one that that's just the one that created itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, and now who's to say that dark side influences because Padme and Palpatine were very, very close. She was the queen. He was her senator. Who's to say that he didn't influence her to fall in love Ooh. with him through the force? We don't know that, but what we do know that I know the, I mean, the possibility has to be there, right? Yeah. Whoa. Ah, I mean, boom, boom. The possibility has to be there, but, when you look at okay, Padme's the wedge between between Anakin and the Jedi. Mm-hmm. You have to throw Luke and Leia as a part of that wedge because he comes. You know, Anakin. They save Palpatine, quote unquote, save Palpatine from Dooku, even though that was just Palpatine setting Dooku up to be killed. Um, and they, they actually they talk about it in tale in the Revenge of the Sith book, Palpatine's plan for having himself be captured is first of all, the Jedi were getting very close to discovering who he was. Mm-hmm. And then, and so he, or had the, had the separatists attack Coruscant and capture him. So to distract the Jedi from the investigation, they were very close to finding who he was. Okay. But so part of the plan was they knew that he knew is that Anakin and Obi-Wan would come to save him. It, because of his connection with with Anakin, he knew like okay, they're they're gonna send Obi Wan and Anakin because Obi Wan and Anakin are like the A team of the Jedi. They're gonna show up, drop in whenever whenever there's a difficult mission. That's who they send Obi Wan and Anakin. So his plan was, okay, gonna kill two birds with one stone here. I'm gonna get kidnapped. It's gonna be by Dooku. Dooku's my apprentice. He believes that there's one plan, but there's really a different plan. So the plan was to have Obi-Wan die in the rescue attempt and to get rid of Dooku so that way the path was clear for Anakin to become his apprentice. Well, Obi-Wan lived. Mm-hmm. So, you know, his plans had to be altered because, you know, his his instructions to Dooku were kill Obi-Wan, isolate Anakin. Kill Obi-Wan, isolate Anakin. And, well... You know, they uh, Anakin was able to defeat Dooku, and Dooku wasn't quite able to kill Obi Wan. Palpatine tried to, you know, in the movie you see Palpatine's like leave Obi Wan behind. We'll never make it if you take Obi Wan. But Anakin loves Obi Wan and loves R two, and like he has connections to certain people. Um, it's and it's mostly Obi Wan and R two on on the quote unquote light side. Obi Wan, R two, and Padme are his connections to the light side, um, where he will never ever abandon them. 
So they explain that all that stuff in great detail in the Revenge of the Sith book, which is Even a wonderful book. Even though he made C three PO. Uh yeah, he made C three PO, but he doesn't really care about three PO. He gave three PO to Padme. He he likes three PO. Three PO is his friend, but Padme gave R two to Anakin, and so ah. like to him, that's like an extension of Padme. Got it. Um, and then Obi Wan's basically his dad slash brother slash whatever teacher brother whatever they were close they were super close um and yeah so and anakin as we know from the movies couldn't let anything go so anyway but bringing this all back around you know if padme's the wedge luke and leia are a part of that wedge too because we find out pregnant she's pregnant with with a baby and so his desire to protect padme and the babies is you know ultimately the thing that causes the split because Palpatine is tempting him with the you know he's getting these visions of Padme dying and Palpatine's like I can teach you how to save her I can teach you how to save her um interesting point so you know Luke is a part of what Sidious used to corrupt him but um, also the wedge that split Vader away from the dark side though Ultimately, but I, I mean, I mean, it's obvious to me, it seems obvious Sidious isn't aware that the, the children survive. Right. Um, somehow, somehow he's not able to discover that. Um, I wonder if that's Kenobi and shielding and there's also something about awakening the force awakening, like not the movie, but like I've, I've read that now multiple time in Canon like they talk about the Force Awakening and Ben Solo, um, and things like that. So, I, I think that it could be also in a reference to when the Force first manifests itself in a person, and that gets us back to that whole uh, level of Jedi, because you have the initiates, initiates, then you have the Padawans, and then you have the um knights and so on but if you don't make it past being a padawan they have like force sensitive tears like agriculture and um like like mechanics or something like that um yeah 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 actually um in one of the one of the eu books it may or may not be canon i don't know what they decided to do with that one but it it told the story of how Qui-Gon became Obi-Wan's master. And Obi-Wan, at one point, was slated to go to the Jedi Agricultural Corps. But he performed so well on this mission with Qui-Gon that Qui-Gon was able to convince the Jedi Council to let him take him as a paddle. Okay. Um, yeah, Obi-Wan, had something gone different, wouldn't have, become, wouldn't have become the Jedi he became and wouldn't have been Anakin's teacher. Um, you know, Qui-Gon could have ended up being his teacher had, you know, things gone the same way minus Obi-Wan. Um, right. Yeah, it's very interesting. Although the whole thing with this awakening thing right. that they're talking about, to <sighs> me, there's a part of it that's like, are they trying to marvelize it a little bit? Because to me, that's almost like an X-Men thing with a mutant's powers manifest. Agree. The whole awakening thing is, and what then is with the whole midi chlorians? 
the <sighs> midi calorians i i think should be retconned out of existence somehow <laughs> if lucas can go back and add blinking ewok and you know anakin going or darth vader going no no disney can go back and cut that shit out just go back and get rid of it because (laughs) it's i mean yeah it was the way that they you know in the phantom menace they're like his midi-chlorian level is higher than yoda's and it's like oh this guy's really powerful i mean all those voice act all those actors are still alive they could record new dialogue if they needed to or they could piece better dialogue together from existing cut it out (laughs) <laughs> or just get rid of it completely, but they can present it in a different way. Um, you know, like the idea of them using a blood test to determine force sensitivity to me seems seems a little too grounded in science for a mystical force than it should be. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like how in the EU, the way Luke decided to determine if someone, you know, the potential of someone's force sensitivity was you know, basically attacking a certain part of their mind with the force where he discovered that there was just a natural defense that a force user would throw up if you probed their mind in the wrong spot. And it caused like a physical, like basically an instinctual and involuntary force shove from the person. Like Leia tossed him across the room and all his other students did the same thing to him. That's how he determined you know, if they were force sensitive or force sensitive enough based on the, the kickback. Like uh, a doctor testing your reflexes with a fucking hammer. Exactly. It's very, very similar to that. Like you would, he would hit a certain spot with a, with a mental force probe. And if he got pushed back, if he got a force pushback from that, then it was determined, you know, that would, he'd be like, all right, all right, you're strong enough to, you have enough potential to be a Jedi. And yeah, I, midi-chlorians should just go. They yeah. they should never be mentioned in anything ever. Well, I'll, I'll keep mentioning it just because, no, not saying anything, but I do, I love to poke fun at that one. Um, yeah, so- between, between the midi-chlorians, and the planet Exegol. I mean, they certainly have, <laughs> have made some odd choices in some of these movies. Right? Oh, so, um, boy, we have gone all over the place with Luke. Uh, do where do you, is there anywhere else you want to get to right now? Um, well, we're, we're going into I mean, an hour and a half with these guys, and not to say we can go a whole lot longer. I'm just saying that that's where we're at, and I definitely, I feel there's more to go over. There, I, There's a ton that we could go over. Um, you know, if we really wanted to buckle down and break apart every single story that's ever involved Luke, whether it's canon now or not, and kind of flesh out what he is. Um, I mean, but ultimately, there's there's two different versions of Luke. One that Disney says is the real one, and one that, was pre-existing to what any Disney influence that a lot of people know and love. And they're, they are, <coughs> they definitely have parallels for sure. But for the most part, their paths are very different and very divergent. Um, very, right. You know, you could even, you could even say it's a multiverse thing. Ooh. You know, you could even say it's a multiverse thing instead of a, 
that would have been a better way to handle it. That I mean, again, that would have been marvelizing a little bit. Well, Star Trek did Earth. that. Well, yeah, Kinda. for sure. With for the sure. whole time travel and for sure, there's a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of sci-fi that have different continuities. I mean, the Transformers. Not to put Star, Star Trek, Trek into Marvel, Star Wars DC. conversation. Sorry, people who might be offended. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot of different continuities and a lot of different things. Um, you know, but ultimately, to me, what matters, no matter who's telling the story of Luke, and no matter who is telling you what story is official and what story isn't. Deep down, the thing that's important is what Luke means to us. What he means to you, what he means to me, what he means to anybody who's had any interaction. And there's some people who grew up with the original movies like I did who love Luke like I do. There's people who grew up with the original movies who say, oh, he's a whiny bitch. I've heard that a lot, you know, and you get that a lot in A New Hope. He is kind of whiny. <laughs> um, and even in Empire, he's a little bit whiny. Um, oh, you're not my dad. Well, or not even that, but he's like, you know, when he first meets Yoda, he's like, I don't know what we're doing here. We're wasting our time. You know, he's oh, yeah. you know all that stuff. Um, you know, but he is one of the main heroes of all time in the Star Wars universe. I think one of my favorite things about Luke was maybe he started out kind of whiny bitch, but he grew. He grew he did. beyond that, and he always had an element of not just, like, growth but and personal growth, but, like, really development. Um, beyond just the Jedi skills and the character itself grew to from this moisture farmer kid to an actual Jedi hero. And that was the progression of the movies. And they captured that in, in the first three. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, um, it's just, I, I personally... Just this is just how I feel, and it's my ultimate takeaway for everything to do with Luke Skywalker. Is it? I don't care what Disney tells me he is. I know what he means to me, and I hope you all know what he means to you. Whether that's love him or hate him or neutral, um, Luke can and should be whatever you want him to be. It's a and to hero. me, to me, he's the fucking hero. Word. So, yeah, yeah. Well, what what about you? Do you got any final final takeaways or final thoughts for us? I can't say it any better than you just did. I think that was beautiful. That was poetic. Oh well, well, well thank you. you well, thank you. Oh, I mean, I don't want to say that right now, but wow, that's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> okay, so um, <laughs> you know, we will we will definitely be back next week um with probably some more news that's a little outdated i mean pull back the curtain a little bit we're banking a couple of episodes not too many um but we're we're getting a couple of episodes ready in advance of release um just in case real life interferes with us being able to sit down and record 
Um, we don't know what our topic next week will be, but I mean, there's definitely a chance with some of our divergent conversation here that we'll be jumping into Vader or Obi-Wan or, um, you know, or maybe even Palpatine, maybe Leia. Who's to say? Maybe we'll just have a, maybe Round we'll just have a, a news, um, just general chit chat about Star Wars. It's hard to say, um, but you'll be surprised because we'll be surprised because We'll decide that just shortly before we hit record. It will be exciting. It will be fun. It oh will my gosh. Be. Thank, I, we hope you enjoyed the episode, guys. Yeah, and uh, look for us on Twitter. Uh, I will announce the Twitter handle next week, but start looking for us on Twitter once that handle is up. Um, feel free to DM, tweet at us, whatever. We will uh, monitor and respond to that as much as we can. Um, do we have any other forms of media to point them to related to us yet? yet. I think we're going to be setting that up here within the week. So, because we're going to have to, especially if we want to get this to everybody. For sure. All right. Well, I mean, you're handling your end. I'm handling mine as best I can. get that done. Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, it's literally just going to be a matter of opening my Twitter and switching everything over. Um, It'll be so, fun, guys. It'll yeah, it'll be quick and easy. Um, but yeah, so, we'll get that done, and then we'll we'll be back for more awesome conversation. And I'm given the amount of Star Wars news that has been breaking on an almost daily basis. I'm sure we'll have some fun stuff to talk about next week in advance of our topic. Absolutely. So I guess until next week, I'm Guy, and I'm Buddy, and we have spoken. <laughs>